Today's episode is brought to you by Ozark Christian College. The Master of Arts Strategic Leadership Concentration at Ozark is for those who are called to lead in a variety of Christian contexts, from churches to nonprofits to parachurch organizations. The Strategic Leadership Concentration partners with you to dive into God's Word to lead God's people across generations, across cultures, and into God's future. So what's next? Learn more and apply for free at occ.edu masters. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. This is your host, Dave Stovall, and today's episode is the third track session from Great Commandment Network from last year's forum. I got to tell you, it's been really helpful learning about whole life discipleship, about how there's not this discipleship department in our church and we're supposed to leave it to them to do that, but that discipleship is the main goal of every disciple and it should permeate every single area of our lives. That's been convicting and just awesome for me to hear, and I hope it's been like that for you. Today's episode features Dr. Lewis Alexander. He's in charge of corporate training for various business clients using the business as unusual principles. So let's jump in and hear from Dr. Lewis about this crazy concept called whole life discipleship. Here we go. Well, welcome. Uh, I'm Lewis Alexander with the Great Commandment Network, and you are here for a whole life assumption. Uh, just checking here in terms of any of you on pastoral staff, anybody on a staff pastor? No. You're one of the associate pastors on staff? Not here, but somewhere? Not pastor. On staff, but not pastor. <laughs> on, on staff at a church. On staff at a church. Not a pastor. Okay. You're on staff at a church. <clears throat> All right, I'll just check to see if there's any pastors. Any of you uh, lead small groups or okay, small group type ministries? Okay. Well, have I got a deal for you today? <laughs> if, if you want <clears throat> enough books to, if, if, you, if you're inspired by anything we talk about today and you want enough of these books for a small group, I've got a deal for you for free. <laughs> you can take, you know, however many that you would want to, you know, we recommend groups six to eight, so if you want eight co extra copies to start a group, um, we use this, hey, so this, uh, this is an anthology, it has a lot of famous people that we got permission to publish their article. Mm. What we've done, though, is we've gone back in and put some of this whole life discipleship stuff, experientials in here, we've got the spirit-powered uh, faith outcomes, which we'll talk about a little bit <clears throat> there in the back. And so this is a very experiential um, book, and it, it fits well for small groups, so that's why I ask if you're a small group leader. Um, I'm on staff at uh, Redemption City Church, the church that, that I go to, uh, and <clears throat> we just went through this book together, and uh, I just facilitated our own personal growth as a staff, there's eight of us that meet on Wednesday mornings, and um, we just uh, traded weeks on who was sharing, who was going to facilitate. And like I said, you can, they're kind of, mar each chapter is marked as a, a day, 
um, weeks into week one, day one, so forth. And we just take it a day at a time. So really, um, as we work through this book, we just treated the days as weeks, so to speak. So <clears throat> whoever was up to facilitate that particular staff meeting would have a particular day and kind of summarize what that day was about and walk us through some experiential. Um, and the way this is laid out, it's laid out on, in terms of how we look at spiritual transformation uh, through the lens of walking in the light. Jesus said, in, in, you might remember the Jesus story where he's talking to the disciples and he says, walk in the light while you have the light, uh, lest the darkness overtake you. Um, that's the John 12, 35. So that led us on a journey of what are the sources of light. And uh, we know his word is a source of light. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Mm -hmm. And so we, have, we ought to have the word in us. Uh, and, um, you know, when I, when I preach, um, you know, we, I try to have these Colossians 3.16 moments where you allow the word of Christ to mm -hmm. dwell within you richly. So before I ever stand to preach... One of my disciplines is to allow that passage that I'm going to be preaching on to dwell richly within me uh, first before I feel like I need to say anything to anybody else. I need to let the Word do something inside my heart first. And um, so we call those Colossians 3.16 moments. And when we train pastors, that's why I was asking, is anybody a pastor here? Uh, that's one of the disciplines. When, if you go to one of our websites, it's called Preach to Engage. Preach mm -hmm. number two, engage. Uh, these experiential sermons, if you ever preach, uh, it's a helpful resource. They have these Colossians 3.16 moments in it uh, to where you pause and allow the Word to dwell within you. And then um, you're vulnerable from the pulpit even about that. You know, here's what, here's what the Word of Christ did in me this week. Before I tell you what it ought to do in you, uh, let me just kind of tell you what it did in me. Um, and um, but obviously we're trusting the Holy Spirit to take the word and work deeply within uh, those who are listening. Um, <clears throat> so that has these um, um, kind of experiences built into it, where you experience uh, Scripture. So you do the book. Um, because that's how we think we grow. Um, in this handout, you see these little stages of discipleship uh, there toward the bottom. Uh, the explore, the embrace, the experience, the express. Um, we think that's how you move the needle along this pathway of growing. You grow from just sort of uh, exploring the truth of the faith. Um, and what helps you move along is you experience, you experience the Word. So you go into the embrace. You know, it's not just important for Jesus to pray. It might be important for me to pray. As the disciples in Luke 11, 1 said, Lord, teach us to pray. Um, and, you know, you, we create safe spaces around us so people can explore um, truths. Uh, when I start praying for myself, I've embraced that truth. And when I start praying regularly... I've then I'm starting to experience mm -hmm. it, other than just one day a week, and then if I'm able to teach others how to pray, then I'm expressing. Um, but the word helps us move along this pathway, um, 
and I'll give you some more background <clears throat> where we got those four stages. But um, uh, another source of light, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, uh, where he uh, announced to his disciples that he's the light. So we need to have these fresh encounters with Jesus. So uh, for many in the pew, we often say their first encounter with Jesus has been their last, you know. And uh, we need these fresh encounters with Jesus to keep moving the needle in spiritual transformation. Um, and um, so I remember my, when, when my mom died in 97, um, just that morning I woke up. She wanted me to say something at her funeral. I'm like, seriously? I can't even, you know, stop crying. What are you talking about? Uh, but I remember the Lord met me uh, in my grief. Uh, you know, sort of John 11, 35 left off the page where, you know, the shortest verse in the Bible, what is it? Yeah, that one. Um, you know, and, and uh, Jesus showed up at a funeral weeping for uh, Mary over the loss of his friend Lazarus. Um, but the, uh, we, talk, we, we talk about sometimes about, we got we to gotta just, we got to talk about the historic Jesus, but we got to talk about the contemporary Jesus. He's the same yesterday, day, and forever. <laughs> so that morning for me, he was Jesus wept for me. He wasn't just Jesus wept for somebody named Mary in Bethany. He, he wept for Lewis in Cedar Park over the loss of his mom. Um, and um, gave me the empowerment to stand up and um, speak at a funeral. So we need to have those fresh encounters with Jesus, the contemporary Jesus. Uh, he's not somebody that just prays for somebody named Peter in Jerusalem, where he says, Peter, you know, Satan's desiring to sift you like wheat, um, but I prayed for you. And when you're restored, you know, strengthen your brothers. So he's, some, he's praying for you now. He ever lived to make intercession for you. We need to have that an fresh encounter with the Jesus who prays for us uh, daily. He daily bears our burdens. Um, and thank him for that. Um, and so, um, leading people to have fresh encounters with Jesus um, helps move the needle. And that's built in here when you have you kind of encounter Jesus. Um, and then fellowship helps us grow and move the needle. And and so uh, they have there's some engaged fellowship experiences in here. So this is a great small group uh, resource. Like I said, if you lead a small group and you find this helpful, then I've got a deal for you. I'll give you enough to get your first group started. So if you want to take six, eight copies, um, then if you need 12, okay, I'll give you 12. Um, this is an advanced reader's um, version. So I've got you know a few, a few extra boxes of advanced readers. We've got a new cover and a new, uh, <clears throat> we've got a fancy yellow cover and it's a little bit, it's the same content as the ones we have for sale on the book table down there. Um, but I can give you these if you want for a small group. All right. Any questions so far um, as we're getting going here? That was just the introduction. But, um, all right. So let me just, whole life discipleship. When we talk about whole life, we're talking about all of life, uh, that Jesus came to speak into all of that, um, all of who we are. And so we think sometimes part of our problem in disciple making uh, is that we just limit it to faith. That, uh, but there's so much more 
right, to life than just faith. Um, so we look at these other dimensions too. Um, so, you know, yesterday we looked at three different of the dimensions, uh, which I can touch on a little bit. But uh, <clears throat> in addition to faith, we looked at relationships and wellness yesterday. Um, Jesus had a whole lot to say about relationships, didn't he? Uh, we are to, in fact, that's the whole great commandment. We're to love God and love others. And uh, starting with our near ones. So if you're married, you got, there's a good place to start. How many of you are married? Okay. That's a good place to start. Learn how to love that one. Okay. Uh, oh, are y'all like together? Okay. Awesome. How long? One um, week, just over. A year and a half. Yeah. A year and a half. Oh, congratulations. We're a pandemic marriage. Pandemic marriage. <laughs> Woohoo! Yes. Right at the forefront of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my wife and I used to own a wedding venue, and uh, and now we have a destination wedding place in Belize. But um, yeah, that's kind of slowed down with mm -hmm. with yeah. the pandemic. Uh, they shut the country down in Belize for a while. Um, so um, what was I talking about? Anyway, uh, if you're married, it should be your, 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 your spouse. And if you have kiddos, how many of you are parents? Okay. You got to learn how to love them um, if you want to keep them around. Um, and then grandparents, grandkids, anybody? Okay. Um, got six granddaughters. You know, they're pretty awesome. Um, but just learn how to love them. And then as you move out to concentric circles, um, to just learn how to love uh, and even get outside your comfort zone with it. Um, so there's some discipleship outcomes in the back of this book in Appendix 3 that actually uh, look at, you know, we need to move outside of our comfort zone as we grow to become more and more like Christ um, and, um, and living, living a whole life in our relationships. And, you know, Jesus from the get-go started challenging his disciples' assumptions about that about living outside their comfort, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, right off the bat, they're going to Samaria, you know? Remember that Jesus story where they're heading to Samaria? In fact, in the I, my mom made me memorize the King James Version of the Bible. I had to memorize um, <laughs> seven <laughs> verses a week as a kid growing up from the King James because it was during the Cold War and mom thought the Russians were going to take over and take our Bibles away. And she thought the King James was the uh, inspired version. And um, if it was good enough for Paul and Silas, she told me it was good enough for, for me. Yeah. <laughs> did she really say that? Uh, she did. Yeah, 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 she did say that. Sorry, actually. That's just funny. Uh, I, yeah, I can tell you a lot of stories. But, um, but so, um, yeah, it, you know, just had to memorize. Uh, so he's... Um, He's taking them outside their comfort zone. He's taking them to Samaria. And in the King James, it says we must needs go uh, to Samaria. Uh, in, in the Greek language, that, that translates the, the Greek word die, uh, delta epsilon iota, which uh, implies divine compulsion. Jesus is listening to and hearing God, which is L2, or, or, or one of our, one of our um, discipleship outcomes is Learning how to love the Lord, discipleship outcome number two, L2 is in the back in that appendix uh, three. It says, 
A disciple, a spirit-empowered disciple, learns to listen to and hear God for discernment and direction. Um, so you think Jesus was listening to God, his Father? Uh, yeah. And so the Lord is compelling him to go to Samaria. Now, the weird thing about that is that Jews didn't go to Samaria, right? They went around him. Um, and, uh, you know, as you went from the south to the north, uh, so as Jesus would go from, you know, Jerusalem up to the Galilee, he would, they would typically go around. But he's going to uh, Samaria under divine compulsion. He's listening to, hearing God, going there. And it's challenging his disciples' assumptions. Right off the bat, we're going to get outside your comfort zone, okay? Um, and it was outside Jesus' comfort zone, too. I mean, as a Jew and as a rabbi, he stops at a well, and he's waiting on a woman. Not that that's a bad thing. I've waited, you know, lots of years on a lace, and I've been married 38 years. <laughs> so I've done a lot of waiting on women. And so Jesus <laughs> stops at a well to wait on a woman, okay? Um, and uh, so, again, challenging assumptions. Rabbis didn't talk to women. Apparently this one did. Um, and so Jesus, you know, on this, on this model that we <clears throat> oftentimes talk about, um, you know, he's, he, they're explore, he's helping them explore the truth of the faith. Um, that we're going to love beyond our comfort. Um, we're going to love outside our culture. And he's created a safe space around him, and that's part of our job as disciple makers, is we got to be safe people. We've got to be safe enough for people to want to explore the truths of the faith. Um, and and so they're exploring that. Oh, you mean Jews can really talk to Samaritans, Samaritans, and uh, rabbis can talk to women? <laughs> Are you tracking? Um, and so, um, you know, at some point, they're coming to embrace that. Um, and eventually, they're going back there. Um, after the crucifixion and resurrection, the disciples are actually going back there. In fact, that's one of Jesus' announcements is, hey, you know, starting in Jerusalem, then Judea, and then Samaria, you know, and then the uttermost parts of the world. You know, take this gospel, take this good news. Um, so um, they're they're experiencing that, uh, and and that's what happens in fellowship. You know, as we're with one another, uh, Jesus called his disciples to be with him before he ever sent them out, and so they were the with ones. That's discipleship before they were apostles, the sent ones. Um, but that's, we sort of, uh, we find this helpful, these stages, to help self-assess where I am in my own stage and journey. And, and we have an assessment. Ta-da, little QR code here. If you want to take an assessment of these 40 discipleship outcomes that are in Appendix 3 and assess yourself, you can then graph yourself hmm. on where you are in each of these 40 outcomes. <clears throat> am I just exploring this whole thing? You know, about living outside my comfort. <laughs> or am I really have embraced that? You know. Yes. Besides the board, is that in like, the book or any flyer? So I can the have assessment itself. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it's on our website. Great okay. Commandment, great commandment.net. Okay. Um, yeah. So this 
you go to the website, greatcommitment.net, uh, you'll find, and, and you just search Spirit Empowered Faith, you'll be able to download the 40 um, question assessment of the 40 outcomes. And it's just based on a lack of scale of one to five. Um, you know, is this, how true, how true is this particular outcome for me? Um, so you can assess yourself. And then we were, we, we were talking yesterday about uh, pastors will oftentimes assess their church and find out where the gaps are, where, where people need to grow so that sermons can be directed more toward that. Um, so, um, questions about any of this? Sorry, another question. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm thinking like in different stages of life, um, like our faith might be in different places. Is that, is this not just linear? It could yeah, be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Yeah, that's why you can do that assessment like every six months or so if you want to. Yeah. Good question. Yeah, our, you, the question was, you know, our, or the comment was we can be at different stages of life for sure. So we're going to get a little bit into, when we talk about whole life, we're going to talk a little bit in a few moments about uh, as it relates to our finances, because that's an area that Jesus probably spoke to more than anything else is our finances. Um, and uh, so, you know, yesterday we talked about faith, we talked about our um, relationships, you know, taking it outside our comfort zone. We talked about wellness, um, our, our, and, you know, our wellness, our emotional wellness is being tested, obviously, during COVID, right? Uh, M6 in your, um, in, in the back here, missional outcome number six, how we got into these we got four different di uh, dimensions here of uh, these spirit-powered outcomes. Because when we when we did a study of um, here's how we got to these forty and to these four different categories of loving the Lord, loving His Word, loving people, and loving His mission. Here's how we got there. We took the passage before Ephesians four eleven Ephesians four eleven twelve that says uh, that the Lord's gifted you all. <laughs> Uh, as some of you as apostles, some of you as prophets, some of you as evangelists, some of you as pastors and teachers, uh, for a purpose, right? Mm -hmm. You've been gifted for a purpose to equip the saints for the work of service for the building up of the body of Christ. So we took that word service or ministry. Um, we figured that saints serve, disciples serve. So we kind of look, want to boil down what is a disciple? That's somebody that serves, okay? That's what the disciples did early on with Jesus, right? They served. Like you were to ask Peter, what do you do around here? Oh, um, well, he does these miracles, and, and, and I get to pick up bread afterwards and um, put them in baskets, the leftovers. Um, and, and I get to hand out fish, too, uh, and pick up fish after, after it's, there's a bunch of leftovers. Um, and so they're just serving, is what, you know, saints serve. Um, and so then we took the word serve and, and traced it throughout the scripture, identified three Greek words and two Hebrew words, and uh, then clustered all those Bible verses together. And, um, and they, they clustered into four different dimensions. That there's some, a disciple serves the Lord. Does that sound orthodox? We serve mm -hmm. the Lord. Uh, that we serve his word. Mm. That we serve 
people. That's how we love them. We serve them. According to their need. And then we serve as mission. Um, and so that's how these, and then so we came up with 10 in each of those four dimensions. That's how we got to four. Okay. All right, M6 is a missional outcome, but it relates to this wellness piece. Um, one of the online courses you'll find on greatcommandment.net, a six-week course that if you'd like to take it, you can be empowered to teach it. Um, it's, it's called uh, Hopeful Living, and it's an emotional wellness course. Mm. So M6, I love this one, bearing witness of a confident peace and expectant hope in God's Lordship in all things. That a spirit-empowered disciple bears witness. Regardless of what, ha what is happening externally around us, we bear witness mm -hmm. of a confident peace and an expectant hope in, in His Lordship in all things. All right, that gets tested when you when you got four granddaughters out at a cafeteria. Okay, so in Texas, we, we have this cafeterias. They're closing now, but they're awesome. They're called Luby's. Yeah. And, um, you know, no, it's mostly old people go there, but, um, <laughs> you know, you get to pick all the good stuff. I mean, it's just, and you can spend, I spend, I take my four granddaughters there by myself. Uh, and But we can spend three hours there um, because they got the little coloring sheets and uh, the crayons. And, and I'm, you know, I, I can, if I'm babysitting for the day or grandparenting, I guess I should call it that. Um, and uh, I can tell you, I can spend three hours at a Luby's. Um, and, you know, as grandpa, I got free reign on what they eat, you know, so they can start with dessert. Um, and, and they love it, you know. Um, we have this, you know, don't ask, don't tell rule. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, so uh, I remember one after one time, being there about three hours, we got to move on. And so you get all the kids loaded in the, in the van and... Um, Tirza, my seven-year-old granddaughter, um, lost her crayons, and she's the artist, so she's starting to freak. And after, you know, after being in in Luby's for three hours with four girls, I was starting to lose it myself. You know? <laughs> um, but um, but you know, the Lord, I wanted to just yell at her, M6, Tirza, M6. You know, you need to have this confident peace and expectant hope of God's lordship somehow. Crayons are going to show up. Um, but the Lord reminded me, there's just this whole big bowl of crayons, you know, inside. Mm. And it was just, it just was a good reminder of, you know, I've got unlimited resource, dude. Don't, don't freak. Um, and so, but you know what? More than me yelling M6, M6 at, at Tirza, she needed to see M6 in Pomeroy. She needed to see M6. Pop's not going to freak out. You know, we're, we're going to figure out how to get more crayons. Okay. It just took me another trip back into Luby's. I this time I grabbed a handful of crayons you know, in little packs. Um, but I need to create a safe space around me so that Tirza could explore M6. You know, that uh, that's a thing. You know, we may not be able to control our external things, but me, manage, me managing me is a thing. Okay. I can do that. Uh, through through spirit-empowered confidence um, and expectant hope. Um, does that make sense? So as we disciple, and particularly as we disciple our kids and grandkids, 
disciple our spouses a little bit. Um, <laughs> Lacey would can't, my wife would claim that you know she's the one that's really helped me and to learn how to live with your wives in an understanding way. Um, so that discipleship thing is mutual. Um, but if we're ever going to pass it along the faith to the next generation, they got to see it. Not just taught it. Because we, we are we're kind of predisposed to think that discipleship is relational. It's not just a rational impartation. Okay? It's not just a transactional experience. It is a relational, messy at times experience. Hello, Disciple Makers Podcast listeners. I want to invite you to the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum here in Nashville, Tennessee on October 5th and 6th. Jesus had a strategy, a plan, and a roadmap for making disciples. In other words, he was highly intentional. He guided, coached, and developed his disciples into full-on disciple makers. And by living out the Great Commission, they changed the entire world. We're constantly gaining new insight about intentional discipleship as we look closely at Jesus. And if we're thoughtful and prayerful, we can apply many of those same practices today. So head on over to discipleship.org to buy your tickets for the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum. I look forward to seeing you there. All right. Uh, any questions so far? Hi. I just kind of had a comment and thinking about this. Uh, uh, really, this relationship thing has been on my my heart and mind, and I see that that's uh, you can emphasize so much the process of discipleship, you know, the importance of it, the scriptural relevance, and the people's need, and miss the relational part. That's why I think this is so good mm. in all of these areas. Because, mm. you know, people are just messed up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> They're just messed up. Uh, including myself. Yeah, you're talking, right, I'm glad myself. You're, you're talking to the right person here. <laughs> As you're talking, we're all messed up. And uh, this assumption stuff's messy, too, you know, particularly... And all that you said, we need a process, we need some structure. I mean, mm -hmm. we've got, you know, we have these stages laid out by Hippolytus. That sounds like Hippopotamus, but he was an early church father hmm. that wrote, the, wrote this book called The Apostolic Tradition. And uh, Hippolytus was actually discipled by Irenaeus, who was discipled mm -hmm. by Polycarp, who was discipled by John, who was discipled by Jesus. And he looks back over his apostolic succession and he's one of the earliest writers that we found that begin to talk about stages of discipleship. Mm -hmm. So that's that's where these what four. What was his name again? Hippolytus. Hippolytus. Yeah. Um, sounds like hippopotamus. And what was it called? Apostolic, Apostolic tradition. I like early church father stuff. So. Yeah. So Hippolytus um, wrote that two fifteen. He was a bishop in Rome. Um, Okay, so when we talk about whole life, um, you know, we talk about relationships. That's that's funny looking people up there icon. Um, we talk about wellness. That's kind of the leaf thing. Um, 
So we need sort of emotional wellness and health. We don't need to freak out. Um, just even when our external things are out of control, um, it just means we need to go vertical. Mm -hmm. You know, King David said, when I'm afraid, that's an indicator for me. You know, that's one of those uh, prompts or triggers. He said, when I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in mm -hmm. me. Uh, so when we encounter the, the trigger of fear, it's time just to go vertical, because that's what David did. And then he wrote a song about it and mm -hmm. shared it with others in fellowship. Right? Mm -hmm. the, the, um, the Psalms were just the Hebrew hymn book. Uh, that's mm -hmm. what they sang out of in worship. So you, you've got a, a really cool paradigm uh, where, you know, what do you do with your emotion in terms of your wellness? Well, you you got to go vertical, you know, because there's, there's an aspect, there's two aspects of aloneness. If you kind of explore Genesis 2.18, there's, there's a vertical dimension that only God can remove. But thought, by design, there's also this interpersonal aspect of aloneness that only meaningful relationships can remove by design. So in my fear, I need to go vertical, talk to God about it, but I need to tell Lacey about some of my um, angst and emotional overhead. Because um, she's going to oftentimes see it manifested. Um, I need to be self-aware of what it is. Take it to God. She likes it when I go to God first, rather than getting all the raw emotions. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, she said, work it out with God, and then come talk to God. Um, and then, um, yeah, I mean, I need to oftentimes be be vulnerable with the people I work with uh, on my team about some of the angst I'm carrying around right now. Um, in his anger. King David says, God smashed my enemy's teeth in their mouth. I mean, you're pretty angry at somebody when you tell God to sick them, right? <laughs> so, you know, that was a trigger again for him. He goes vertical, talks to God about his anger, then writes a song about it. Um, and um, because the, the, the hymns were, were sung uh, in worship. I don't know if you can imagine showing up at church singing about being angry or not. <laughs> but we worked that out with God, and then we, then we share it in fellowship with one another and, and kind of work through uh, that as we're getting to our softer emotions that are underneath the anger um, and you can take all the emotions like that uh, there's there's so many emotions in the Psalms um, but that's a paradigm for emotional health is we got we got to take it to God and then we got to share it with others um, so that we're not alone because when we're alone things begin to Kind of like that thunderstorm that builds, it becomes mm -hmm. a bigger deal, you know. Um, so, for instance, I'll share this with you. Um, I remember uh, <clears throat> one of the first times I began to explore this in, in a uh, Sunday school class. And the pastor calls me on a Saturday night, uh, and um, he said, Lewis, we're going through a, a, a book study on Job. And he knew I was an Old Testament PhD. So he said, I figured you'd handle this. Can you show up and, <laughs> and, and teach this Bible study? Uh, and I wanted it to be more than a Bible study. You know, I wanted it to be an experiential encounter with, with the Lord and with one another. So we are going through Job. And you know, we're talking about Job's loss, his pain, uh, Rex Jeton, his grief. 
you know, we're exegeting Hebrew words on his sorrow and culturally I, you know, ripped his clothes and shaved his head. Um, and uh, we're talking about sadness and sorrow. Um, and then we're talking about his anger. Uh, Job gets angry with God. We're exegeting Hebrew words for anger. And then we're talking about his fear. And exegeting Hebrew words about fear. So we've done that, okay, which is necessary. But then I looked around that class, and it was um, a class of uh, single, ad again, adults. So formerly divorced, recently re uh, recently divorced, some of them, some of them long-term divorced. Most of them middle-aged. And I said, anybody in here feeling sad, angry, scared? It's kind of a pretty vulnerable question in, in a Sunday school class. This lady begins to weep. And I just asked her a diagnostic question. I said, what are your, what are your tears about right now? She said, you know, my 16-year-old daughter is dating this 17-year-old scumbag. She used scumbag at church, okay? <laughs> I put my little lightning rod just in case. Um, and uh, she said, he's dating this 17-year-old scumbag. And she said, I'm so angry at her because I raised her better than that. And then she said, I'm so afraid she's going to get pregnant. And she begins to just really sob and break down. Well, at that moment, you know, she'd been pretty vulnerable, obviously. And, and she shared that with us and trusted us with that. But it was really cool how the Holy Spirit kind of took over. And um, in just a few moments, a woman got up and went across the room and began to comfort her. And began to lay hands on her. And then another woman. And then another woman. And then another woman. And then a man got up. And then another man got up. And we begin to comfort her and care for her. Pray for her. Pray with her. Pray over her. You know, she left a little less alone than when she came to church that morning. Mm -hmm. But if I hadn't made space for that, she would have come to church, heard a good message, and left alone. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've got to create these spaces, these moments for discipleship to happen. And whole life to be experienced at church. Okay. Because uh, we bring our whole life with us, don't we? <laughs> yeah. I mean, y'all came up in here with your whole life. Um, so let's talk about finances for a little bit. Um, oh, that's a little money piece. Uh, money looking <laughs> sign over there. Uh, Jesus said a whole lot about money, mm -hmm. uh, didn't he? Um, and we all have a money story, don't we? We're going to explore that here in a moment. Uh, how our money story got shaped. There's a narrative that you tell yourself about finances, about money, about stewardship. And when we talk about that area we talk about more than just the money you do or don't have in your wallet i don't even know if i have i got two dollars i think but um got plastic money but anyway uh we're talking about more than that we're talking about stewardship of life in fact there's one called m7 we'll get into in just a moment but um uh missional outcome number seven about learning how to steward our whole lives you know our talents our treasures our resources, and our, it involves our finances. But we do have a money story, and we're going to explore that a little bit. Your narrative was shaped by your family of origin. Uh, good, bad, or ugly. So we're going to get you to kind of explore good, bad, or ugly. What's, the, what's your narrative related to when you think about finances? It's shaped by uh, your religious experiences. Good, bad, and ugly. 
Like I remember one of my part of my money story growing up, my dad would always say, you know, the church all they do is they want your money. Okay. That kind of put a negative um, spin on, you know, in, in for me, as my dad said that. Um, it created some angst and fear inside of me, even as my dad kind of would say that frequently. All the church does is want your money. In other words, they're taking from you. Um, which is really not the what the church is meant to be, right? It's meant to give and love and serve, um, starting with their own members and then out the front door and out the side doors. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, but what's your money story, good, bad, and ugly? And it shaped my life experiences. One of my life experiences, very painfully, Lacey was diagnosed in 2008 with breast cancer. Very painful time in our life. Uh, we had a crisis of faith. This isn't supposed to happen. I mean, we've been serving the Lord faithfully and, mm -hmm. you know, our whole marriage and sacrificing. And she's diagnosed with breast cancer and loses both breasts, loses her ovaries, loses her hair. That She said that was the hardest thing for her. Um, the last thing to go that she identified most with as a woman. Um, and, but the other parts, too, you know, that she lost. Uh, she's a very beautiful woman, so she looks good bald, let me just say. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I remember how hard it was. And at one point, I owed 14 different vendors. Because, you know, if you've had, if you've been through that journey, you know, you you got to have your, you know, you got your oncologist. Um, and I'd been through that journey with my mom. And interestingly enough, my mom, my, my wife had the same oncologist that my mom did uh, about 30 years before. Um, he was the first board-certified oncologist in Austin. So, uh, you know, you got that, you got that person, then you got your surgeon, you got to pay, then you got your reconstructionist that you're paying, and then you got all the clinics, and you got the hospitals. Um, before you know it, there's, you got 14 vendors that are reaching out wanting mm -hmm. money. Okay, so... Um, this is where, though, we saw, you know, God do incredible things um, in terms of those who were generous with us. With time, with their resources, with their finances. I mean, you know, gosh, you know, the, the chemo isn't cheap. For those infusion days, it was $22,000 a day for infusion um, for her to get uh, chemotherapy. Um, so, I mean, we've had, we had, you know, God moved in wealthy businessmen's lives. And I remember a wealthy businessman just writing us a check for 20000 cover one of those days. And, um, to see the generosity of the Lord pour, poured out, um, even from unbelievers, was just amazing. Um, as God, as the Spirit was working on our behalf. So, there were some scary moments in that, you know, in that whole uh, journey. And it probably took us a decade to pay off all those vendors. Um, and, and so it was very, very hard, very hard time. And we're, so we we're shaped by, by, our, by those different, um, not only family of origin, religious experiences, but also life events and definitely shape our money narrative. Uh, think about yours for just a minute. <clears throat> In any of those areas, what are the stories you tell yourself? I'll give you another one. This is... Uh, more of a positive one. Um, as a kid growing up, I had a little money jar I got. And it had these three different um, divisions that I remember, um, little, little markers on it. And one, the first one said, 
uh, dinner and a movie. So when you saved enough coin for that level, <laughs> you were at dinner and a movie. Okay, you get four dinner and a movie. Um, the next level up, I remember, was long weekend. I didn't know what that meant, but apparently you could have a good time over that whole weekend if you saved to that level. And then the very top of the jar, which initially I didn't believe, but it said, new car. And, but the truth was, uh, if, you, if you saw my first car, um, 1965 Ford Fairlane 303, uh, I bought from my uncle for 100 bucks, okay? It pre-rusted out. He had lived in Baytown, Texas, um, which is close to the um, Gulf, I mean, the, yeah, the water, salt water. Um, what that taught me, though, the lesson there was save for a purpose. Um, mm. So in the immediate, my wife's birthday's coming up, so I'm kind of saving. She wants her toes done, so, um, <laughs> you know, that's save for the purpose, you know. <laughs> that's a good, a good stewardship thing is, you know, don't spend it if you, if you ain't got it, mm -hmm. but save for a purpose um, can be a good, good stewardship principle. Mm -hmm. am, I, am I speaking truth, Linda? I know you're married to a financial guy. Uh, <laughs> he probably makes you uh, not, not spend what you don't have. Um, so what we're about to do is have a little fellowship here, have a little fun. Uh, just think about one of your stories that could have come out of uh, we all have a money story. Uh, we all have a narrative we tell ourselves, good, bad, and ugly. Um, just share one of your money stories uh, here in just a moment with two or three people around you. And it can come out of, uh, like I said, it's going to be shaped by your family of origin. So, you know, what did you, what'd you hear your, your mom or dad say about stewardship, money, this whole topic? Um, It'd be shaped by your even your religious experiences and then your life events. Okay, so you can just pick a story out of any of those or a narrative, part of your narrative that had been shaped by any of that. And just with a, you know, in clusters of two or three, um, just share one of your money stories. Um, it can be a story from your early childhood about, you know, like my coin bank, my coin jar. Or your religious experiences, the church just wants your money, or your life event, you know, a traumatic event that hit, a, hit you, like ours, and all we had was major medical, and we our, our major medical only allowed us to have four doctor visits a, a year. We had more than that in a week, okay? Uh, so we burned through that. Um, yeah, so just take a moment to share a quick story with one another. Um, maybe y'all cluster... I am Mike. So let's look at M7 together. Um, and that's, again, in Appendix 3. Appendix three. That's good. You've got all these outcomes. So you, what you've experienced is a little fellowship. You've got to know one another. When we talk about intimacy, we talk about mutual knowing, caring, involvement. That's connection. Okay. And we, we've, if we're going to ever disciple, we've got to go beyond content to connection. My oldest son told me, a few years ago, he said, Dad, you're a good preacher and everything. I'm not really a preacher. I'm more gifted with teaching. Um, he said, but I'm not going to get my four girls all dressed up, drive across town just to hear you speak. He said, there's a ton that I can listen to of really, really good preachers. you got to give me something else to drive across town for. Mm -hmm. okay? And it's connection. 
people aren't looking for connection. They can get good preachers all day long and twice on Sunday, you know, yeah. through through the internet, um, through podcasts. They're looking for what you just did, connection. Um, know my story. Um, and you can't really know me unless you know my pain, okay? Um, and, and the pain part's of my story. You can't really understand my emotional overhead until you've walked my shoes, um, if that makes sense to you. So, on this M7, faithfully sharing of time, talent, gifts, and resources in, further, in furthering what, his mission. What page is that on? I can't. You know, I didn't have a page. It's the Appendix 3. If you go back to the very back of the book. It's almost the back of the book. Uh, appendix 3. Yeah, find Appendix 3 and then go to M, which is the missional outcomes. So you got four categories. You got uh, Spirit and Power Disciple loves the Lord. Those are L's. Uh, you got Spirit and Power Disciple loves the Word. Those are the W's for Word. Oh, I see. And then you got the Spirit and Power Disciple loves people through P, people. 1 through 10. And then the Spirit Empowered Disciple loves his mission. I got it. Man. Okay. Uh, so we need to be faithful stewards of his mission of reconciliation. So M7 says that a Spirit Empowered Disciple, uh, and I can say more about Spirit Empowered in just a moment, but a Spirit Empowered Disciple shares of time, talent, gifts, and resources in furthering his mission. There's a few verses that we shared. But how would you assess yourself using this Likert scale one to five? Uh, and if you take, if you want to go online and take it, all forty, it's using this Likert scale of how true you, how most, how, how true of that statement is of you. Um, so where would you, what number would you give yourself? Maybe just by M seven, write a number that's not true of me. I don't really faithfully share of time, talent, gifts, resources, and furthering his mission. Infrequently true of me. Somewhat true of me. Often true is a four. And if you're ready to teach others, then you're a five. Um, you're very true of me. All right, so give yourself a number. And then here's how we usually plot it along this graph. So if you're a if you're a one or two, you're really kind of just exploring that outcome. You're not really, you, you just, and you ought to get yourself around others who are good at it, okay, to move you along to, to uh, if you gave yourself three, you're kind of in the embrace. You embrace that it's a good idea. You probably ought to be doing that <laughs> to further his mission. I mean, we probably ought to be extending his kingdom here on earth uh, through our time, talents, resources gifts our spiritual gifts if you often if it's often true for you yourself four and you're kind of in that experience category you're doing it outside of sunday you're doing it monday through friday people are observing you in your life doing that and then if you're in a position of teaching others uh, you're kind of the express you're, you're passing along that truth that we ought to be doing that uh, we ought to be doing M7. Um, so that's uh, that's how we that's how we scale that or metric measure that. 
Um, all these outcomes are meant to be observable. Uh, they, they can only be pulled off in the, in the spirit. That's what we call them spirit and power. So you don't have a lot of, you don't have any of them in here, a disciple memorizes Bible verses. Now we ought to do that, because you can't really meditate on the Word and grow to love the one more deeply who wrote it if you, if you haven't memorized it. But you can be a lost person to memorize Scripture, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when we go back here, we talk about spirit empowered. Yeah. Um, you know that that these outcomes are kind of of the spirit, in the spirit. Um, and then we ought to be imparting that. You know, Paul said to the Christians at Thessalonica, um, "I prove to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly caring for a baby." Having thus a fond affection for you, I imparted not only the Evangelion, the, the gospel, uh, the good news, but I imparted my suke, my very life, my soul to you. Uh, and when we talk about whole life, we've got to get our whole life involved in discipling people in these different dimensions. So, two minutes over. Sorry, my apologies. Um, <laughs> but thank you for uh, showing up and... Um, if you want more copies, if you want to do a group, I would love to give them to you if you want. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Lewis, for bringing that awesome word to us last year at the forum. We really appreciate it. And I want to remind you, the listener, to make sure you mark your calendars for October 5th and 6th. Go to discipleship.org and buy your tickets for the National Disciple Making Forum. It's going to be an incredible time. I will be there leading worship as always, and I just can't wait to see everybody again. It's a fantastic event every single year, so make sure you do that. All right, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode. <music>